This past August, my husband's alma mater and the school that deepened my walk with Jesus removed the statement of faith requirement for students. And a few days ago, the Dev Awards had decided to tolerate men wearing dresses in their award ceremony. And I have to wonder, when did compassion in the church become so distorted? When did we decide that it was all right to sacrifice truth on the altar of a misguided mercy? This is the Heidi St. John podcast. We're going to talk about it today. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Thank you guys for tuning in today. I spent this weekend celebrating the 50th birthday of one of my younger sisters. And uh, we went to, we had the privilege of going to stay at another sister's house just outside of Phoenix, Arizona. My goodness, you guys, it is hot there. I mean, even for this time of year, it is still pretty hot there. It was well over 100 degrees, but we had a hoot and holler and good time uh, hanging out with uh, my daughter and uh, some of my nieces and just celebrating one of my sisters. And a really phenomenal uh, thing happened to me, aside from just, you know, floating down the lazy river for a day and getting a little bit of sunshine and just um, hanging out with some people that I love and don't get to see very often. My daughter and I took uh, an Uber from the airport and then back to the airport. And both times we had drivers that were not from the United States. So the first guy that uh, that uh, picked us up at the Phoenix airport was from Jordan. And when we went back the second time, we that we had a driver who was Iraqi born. Actually, he has an amazing story. He's a Christian, uh, raised in uh, Iraq, and then his family fled the persecution of Christians um, to the country of France. And now he lives in the United States. And he had a very stern warning for us. You know, it was a 45-minute drive to the airport, and so you guys know me. I'm asking questions. As soon as I hear this guy start to talk and I realize, okay, your accent is definitely Middle Eastern. Where are you from? He says, well, he's from Iraq. And finally it comes out. I didn't ask him, but he said, listen, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian. And so then, of course, I had even more questions for him. And I asked him, what do you think about what's happening in the modern church? What do you think about Christianity in Western civilization. And he said, and this is so important, he said that he's training his children to always speak the truth because he grew up under extreme persecution of Christians in Iraq, obviously. I mean, don't you don't even want to talk about what they do to Christians in Iran. They're very intolerant which isn't that funny. That's the, you know, this is the, the the screaming points of the left right now. We just saw yesterday in Minneapolis, people marching in the streets with the flag of Hamas. And this gentleman who drove my daughter and I to the airport on Sunday night said that he believes an attack on this country is imminent. He said there already are people from these parts of the world who support Hamas, and we have a, an absolutely brainwashed generation of young people who have come out of first the public school systems and then into our universities and then the, where the brainwashing is complete. And so they're supporting the rape and torture and beheading of little children and women in the name of a uh, Islamist revolution. And he said, don't be deceived. These people are here. 
And there will come a point in which these terror cells are activated in the United States. He said, I'm teaching my children what it means to stand. I'm teaching my children what it means to identify with Christ, even in his suffering. He said that the men and women who give their lives, you know, we just saw this right under Barack Obama. And, and honestly, whenever the, the United, I, ta- I just talked about this the other day, right? When the United States is weak, we see the rise of terrorism around the world. The United States is definitely weak right now. But what's alarming is how weak the church is and how weak Christians are. So we have this really powerful conversation about where he thinks the country is going. And as I've been teaching through the book of Revelation, it's so clear to me all throughout scripture that if we want to hold back the judgment of God, which this country is ripe for judgment, absolutely. I mean, that's that goes without saying. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute as we talk about Multnomah University and the Dove Awards and you know our ridiculous celebrity culture for Christians in Western civilization, particularly in the United States. But his point was, this country is ripe for judgment. And as I have studied the word of God my whole life, the only thing that staves off judgment is repentance. This was Jesus' message to the churches, the seven churches of Revelation. Come back to me. Repentance stops judgment. Without repentance, we are ripe for judgment in this country, and that's exactly what, what's going to happen. We're going to be judged. And this gentleman, and I can't even remember his name. I feel terrible about that now. But I can't, he was saying, listen, the, the problem with the United States is that the churches have walked away from the Lord. We've watered down the gospel. We don't know what it means to live a set-apart life. He said, you want to live a set-apart life, go talk to an Iraqi Christian or a Christian living in Iran. I mean, you know that at any moment, if you're living in Iran and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you could be killed at any moment. This is, I mean, they hate Christians and they hate the cause of Christ. And I got to thinking back, and I've I've talked about this a lot, but I think it's a really important conversation that we need to have in our churches right now about where we want to be. Who do we want to align ourselves with as the nation continues to be led by wicked and corrupt people. It seems clear to me, I mean, anybody with anybody with eyes in their head can see what's happening at our southern border. And we're foolish to think that these people are coming over here and they're going to get you know jobs and go to college. No, they're not. They're not. That's not why the vast majority of them are coming across the southern border. These are not your tired, huddled masses that we brought to the United States from Ellis Island. These are invaders to our country, which the Democrats have absolutely opened the door to. And it's too little too late in terms of closing the southern border now. The damage is already done. I still believe, boy, we can can stave off judgment simply through repentance. But unfortunately, the church shows no signs of doing that. And this past August, Multnomah University, it used to be Multnomah School of the Bible. So I went to school there. That's where I met my husband. He graduated with his degree from Multnomah. And we loved Multnomah, right? The the saying was, if it's Bible you want, you want Multnomah. I had the incredible privilege of studying under John D. Mitchell, one of the last classes that he taught. I believe he died at the age of 98. This guy who loved the Bible Those of you who are listening to my show and you went to Multnomah, you will remember that he was the one who famously coined 
Multnomah's, uh, Multnomah's phraseology when he said, if, when he said, don't you folks ever read your Bible? It's like you could sit in a class with that guy and ask him just about anything in scripture. And he had almost memorized the entire Bible. And so he knew that the Bible had an answer. But just a few months ago, this past August, I received a phone call from a friend, a fellow alum at Multnomah University, and they said that the university had ended a requirement that all students sign a statement of faith. In other words, Multnomah is welcoming who they call not yet believers. So basically nothing setting them apart from the world. I mean, I guess if it's the Bible you want, you know, don't, don't choose Multnomah because <laughs> that's probably not what you're going to get. But Multnomah University, well, it used to be Multnomah School of Bible, then it was Multnomah Bible College, then it was Multnomah College, then it was Multnomah University. And, you know, all the things that we're doing for accreditation and my frustration with so-called Christian colleges is at an all-time high right now. But the university's leaders hoped the move would inspire prospective students who aren't Christian but are perhaps curious about the faith to attend. So basically, just open up the school to Lord only knows what, but you've, I mean, I don't care if you don't want to be a Christian university, then don't be a Christian university, but don't say you're a Christian university and then abandon your Christian, uh, your Christian roots. It's, it's discouraging to me. And I don't think it's going to go well for them, honestly. And this is why I keep telling you, know where your kids are going to school. You got to know you got to know where your kids are going to school because the schools that claim to be Christian, so many of them are not, and we're abandoning what made us Christians and we're trying to blend in with the culture. And this is, you know, if you're not sure that this is happening across Christendom, then look no further than the Dev Awards, which I have all kinds of, you know, frustrations. They're absolutely wonderful and very gifted and talented songwriters and um, Christian singer-songwriters and worship leaders inside of the Christian community. And praise the Lord for that, right? God uh, wants us to worship him. And in fact, if you are reading with me through the book of Revelation, uh, last night I taught through the six seal judgments of Revelation 4 and 5. And you see how all of heaven is centered around the worship of God, right? The 24 elders that cast their crowns at the feet of the lamb, this voice uh, of God like thunder. Heaven is a big giant worship service. God values worship, right? We should be worshiping him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. We should be worshiping him. We worship God with our lives. We worship him with our words, we certainly should worship him with our music. And so, and my husband was a music pastor for over 20 years, a very gifted singer and songwriter in his own right. But the fact that we have created celebrity culture in the church begs the question, why? We're supposed to be celebrating Jesus. The, red, the only one worthy of walking down the red carpet is Jesus Christ. You want to have a red carpet celebration? Let's have it at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Right now, we got work to do. We should be spreading the gospel. We should be, we should be calling the church to repentance, for goodness sake. But this year's Dub Awards really had 
what I would say is the epitome of sacrificing truth on the altar of misguided mercy, which the church has been doing for a long, long time, really on display. I read an article about it in the Daily Citizen from Focus on the Family, and they started off by saying it's been just over 54 years since the Gospel Music Association gathered at the Skyway Ballroom inside the famed Peabody Hotel in Memphis, Tennessee for the very first Dove Awards, which is the Gospel Music Association's equivalent of the Grammys. And so if you're a Christian and you've been in this country for any length of time and you and you like contemporary Christian music, then you're familiar with the Dove Awards. Back in 1969, Bill Gaither was hailed as the Christian Songwriter of the Year for a song that he sang called Jesus is Coming Soon by R.E. Winslet, which was designated as the Song of the Year. And the Imperials were uh, the proclaimed group of the year. Boy, I remember <laughs> the Imperials. I'm old enough to remember the Imperials. The brainchild of Bob McConnell, art director of Benson Records, Bill Gaither, and Les Beasley of the Florida Boys, the Southern Gospel Quartet, the festivities have evolved over the years, but few expected the outright heretical display at last week's iteration in Nashville. The spectacle was courtesy of Derek Webb and Matthew Blake, musicians with direct and indirect ties to the controversial song Good Day, which topped the charts earlier this year. Blake, who goes by the name Flamey Grant and identifies as a drag queen, is the artist behind this music. The video of the hit song featured Webb, a singer with Cademan's Call, getting drag-inspired makeover from Blake. Now, as the article goes on to say, and I agree, some context here is obviously helpful. Matthew Blake, also known as Flamey Grant, is a former worship leader who began who began identifying as same-sex attracted at the age of 24 and began performing drag at 37. The quote, heathen happy hour, a Blake YouTube creation, was a product of the pandemic. He said, Flamey is how I free myself, and it's turned out how we connect with other people who need a little bit of liberation. And like Blake, Derek Webb, who's 49 years old, so this guy's almost 50 years old, is a former pastor and Christian songwriter who slowly and then all at once departed from biblical Christianity after attending last week's Dove Awards in a dress. The singer defended himself on social media. Why did I wear a dress to the Dove Awards, he said, as a cis, which by the way, what a joke of a word that is. If someone says I'm a cis man, he just means I'm a man. The fact that we have to say cis is ridiculous and we should stop using these words altogether. But he says, as a cis straight white man, I walk into a room like that and in any room with an incredible amount of advantage and privilege. If I'm attending as an ally of friends or colleagues, I should do everything possible to surrender that privilege at the door. Okay, so listen, Mr. Webb, the only privilege that we ever have in this life is the privilege of being adopted into the family of God. Today's program is being sponsored in part by MyPillow. You guys, I love this company, and right now they are having a mattress sale. Listen, I have a MyPillow mattress and I love it, and right now their complete mattress system is on sale for 50% off when you use the promo code HEIDI. Uh, the mattresses come in coil and foam in a wide range of sizes from twin to split king, and they carry a 10-year warranty with a six-month money-back guarantee. Call 1-800-447-0541 or visit MyPillow.com and just use the promo code HEIDI to save 50% at checkout off the complete mattress sleep system. This deal's not gonna last long. Enter promo code HEIDI to save 50% today. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And it's shocking to me that the Dev Awards didn't just go, yeah, sorry, we're not doing that. You know, it's totally goes against the gospel, but they didn't do that. There are other people who were there that were saying there was quite a bit of drinking happening at the Dev Awards. And you guys know me. Listen, I'm not anti-alcohol. I'm definitely anti-drunkenness. Why? Because the Bible is anti-drunkenness. But the irony here to me is that we have you know, the Christianity sort of left the building. And so rather than spend all of my time criticizing Multnomah University and the Dev Awards, I think it's time that we do a little bit of introspection as believers and ask ourselves, what does God expect of his people? He expects us, he expects us to follow the word of God. And yes, there are things that we can disagree about and there are things that we can argue about and there are points of contention within the church and there always have been. But there are very, very simple and basic commands that the Lord gives us, very simple outline of of the gospel. We know that Jesus is the only way to heaven. The Bible is very clear about truth. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And as we've watched over the years, People who we have made into celebrities. You guys, pastors are not celebrities. We need to knock this off. Christian worship leaders who crave platform are not celebrities. We need to stop this. One of the things I, I so appreciate about Ken Ham is that he doesn't see himself as a celebrity. He sees himself as a servant. Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, become a servant. That's what we're supposed to be. And I reject celebrity, this celebrity culture, but we have created it. And we need to be honest about that inside the church. We have to start talking about the truth and speak the truth boldly and without apology. The only answer to a bold lie is bold truth. And homosexuality, according to the Bible, is a sin that will require judgment. Not unlike any other sin, right? Our sin separates us from the Lord. But the fact that the church is putting up with this is, I think, part of what is, is causing the church to careen toward judgment. We need to start speaking the truth again. In John 8, 32, Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set, your, will set you free. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by your truth. In other words, make we're sanctified. We become more like Jesus. How do we do that? By embracing the truth. And the truth is, celebrity culture is a stench in the nostrils of God. The reality is, the Bible says none of us is righteous. No, not one. The, God's word says that our righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord, and yet we elevate people. And I understand part of it, we can't help it, right? Because we're just people and we exist in a very uh, in a very tactile world where we want to put our faith in things and people. We put our faith in politics. The Bible says uh, in Proverbs, some might trust in horses and some might trust in chariots, but we don't. As the children of God, we're called to trust in the name of the Lord. I could put that into homeschool speak for you. Some might trust in homeschooling. Some might trust in the SAT. 
but we don't. We should trust in the name of the Lord. That's what God calls us to. Some might trust in a politician. Some might trust in making sure that the, the that the uh, you know our voting machines aren't being rigged. But we don't. We trust in the name of the Lord. See, we put our trust in the wrong things. And I can only help but think that universities, as they move away from what God says, sets us apart. He says, if you want to walk with me, live a set-apart life. Jesus said, I'm coming back for a church that is holy. What does holy mean? It just means set apart. But we're trying to we're trying so hard to blend in with the church. And this is Amy Grant. This is Jen Hatmaker. Uh this is Rachel Hollis who wrote, you know, Girl, Wash Your Face. So many people reading this stuff. And we're not picking up the Bible and going, hey, how does this, how does it shake out? You guys can study the Bible. You don't need a degree from a Bible college to study the Bible. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you to help you discern what is true. Paul, in giving young Timothy an instruction as he was beginning his ministry, said, Timothy, do yourself to present, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who can rightly handle the word. And so I guess, you know, my frustration is not so much aimed at the devil wards. I haven't been watching the devil wards, you know, for a very long time. And some of those uh, artists that are there, I, I appreciate and listen to their music. But I think it's a really, this is a really good opportunity for us as Christians to say, do we really want to embrace celebrity culture? The only one who's worthy of worship is the Lord. He is jealous for worship. He doesn't want us to put anything else before him. He said, you should have no other gods before me. And I guess that's what I've seen on display for a really long time at the Devil Wards. But if you think about it, Christian culture created the Devil Wards. So we got to sort of look back, I, I think, just take a hard look at ourselves and say, is this really what we want to want to do? Is this really who we want to be? The Bible is very clear on the importance of truth and speaking the truth, and we need to do it. Proverbs 12, 22 says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. It takes courage to speak the truth in the culture. I hope that the people who are at the, the head of the devil wards maybe take a, a good long amount of time and get away with the Lord and say, is this really honoring the Lord? That's the question. Are, are Christian, and I put the word Christian in air quotes, are Christian universities, are they really honoring the Lord? Are our churches really honoring the Lord? Are these award services that we purport to be Christians, are, are we really honoring the Lord? Is our music really honoring the Lord? That is the question. And I think God wants to give us the answer. If we're called to sanctify them in the truth, and the sanctification process, right, is the, the process of becoming more like Jesus. So we become more like Jesus by studying the truth. And the Bible says, you want to you know the truth? Study my word. That's how you know. And then we're called to speak the truth in love to a new generation. Uh, I'm I'm watching with an intense interest, and I hope a lot of you are too, where the country is headed right now. And I, I don't believe, and I, I, I don't, you know, I wish I felt better about it. I just don't. I don't feel good about the direction that the world is heading right now. I don't feel good at all about what's happening on our southern border. But I don't, I also don't feel afraid because I know that my my days have already been numbered for me. The Lord already knows the number of my days. They've They've been, they've already been counted. But I want to encourage us 
not to forsake the gathering, even as we see the day approaching, or of course, talking about the day of the Lord, which you want to find out about the day of the Lord, look at the sixth seal judgment. We're reading about it right now at Faith That Speaks. But there definitely is a time, judgment is definitely coming. It's coming to the whole world. And we know it's coming here to the United States because like the Israelites, we walked away from the Lord. We have also rejected the Messiah. We've also done that here. And it makes me sad to see it happen in places which even just 15, 20 years ago would have said something completely different. And we need to be asking ourselves, is this really who God wants us to be? And I, I think it isn't. I think, man, what an, what an amazing time to, to be able to stand for righteousness, to be known for our love, which is what we're called to do, right? Jesus said that they would know that we were, we were Christians by our love. And you guys, love tells the truth. Love doesn't sacrifice truth on the altar of mercy. Love tells the truth with mercy. We tell the truth with love. We don't stray away from it. And so I want to encourage you. I, I've been getting, you know, a few questions here at the show about, you know, what I thought about the devil words. And now, now you guys know. I just think, I think it's a, a symptom of a larger problem inside the church that we've actually had for a very long time. And now we're just seeing it seep out into the culture. We're not hiding our embracing of wickedness anymore in the culture because, frankly, we don't need to. We've already accepted it. And so the church is going gonna, is gonna to need, to, we're going to look very, very different. God's people, the, the ones that are actually following God are going to live a different life. And it's going to look different to the world. It shouldn't look unkind, but it should definitely look different. And I'm not talking about, you know, different like the Amish. I'm talking about different like with the spirit of the living God, where evil offends us and we're compelled by righteousness. We're compelled by our love for the Lord. The Bible says it's his kindness that brings us to repentance. And so I continue to pray for um, ministries that, that, that you know, claim the name of Jesus in Christian universities, colleges, churches all across this country. The Lord, just like he did for the church in Laodicea, stands at the door and knocks, come back to me. Come back to me. My whole life I heard that verse as if the Lord was standing outside of my heart and knocking on the, on the door of my heart, which of course he is, the Holy Spirit, entreating us to follow him. But if you read the scripture in context, it's the Lord at the, on the outside of his own church saying, come, listen, I'm standing at your door and I'm knocking. If any of you hears my voice and will open up and let me in, I'll dine with you and you with me. But if not, he says, that judgment is coming. Wake up. This is God's call to the church today. Wake up. And so I'm I'm less inclined to do a deep dive into the devil wards and more inclined to look at the church and say, how do we get here? And how do we move away from it? Men and women, if you're not in a Bible-believing church, if you're in a church that focuses more on fog machines and making sure your worship services feel like a rock concert, it might be time to rethink where you're going to church. The time for lazy disciples is over. And we need to study the word. And actually it's, you know, knowing God's word and understanding it and asking the Lord. Every time I read the Bible, I feel like I learn something different, learn something new. And that's because the Bible says that the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to cut through all the garbage that we see in the culture right now and get right to the heart of the matter. That's what the spirit of the living God does. And that's what we need. 
We need that as parents. We need that as men and women who are following Jesus. We need it in the culture. We need it desperately. I think God's inviting us to go on this walk with him to say, Father, you know, show us, just like you show David, search our hearts, try to see if there's anything in our life that doesn't bring you glory. And then we surrender those things to the Lord. God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for a posture of worship. Our lives should be worship to the Lord. 1 John 3.18, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. This is God's heart for his people. This is God's heart for you as you guys walk out this week. No matter what it is that comes up against you, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And for me, I was very encouraged talking to this former Iraqi uh, citizen who had moved to the United States and was bringing his children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. He's a 15-year-old, I think he said, and a 13-year-old. He understands what's happening in the world. He understands the threats geopolitically against the United States right now. And his answer is, come back to the Lord. That's the heart cry of the Lord. You want to stave off judgment in your own life? Jesus said, come back to me. Come back to me. By the way, you guys, the joy of the Lord, as Nehemiah pointed out correctly to uh, his people in Nehemiah 8 verse 10, the joy of the Lord should be our strength. We should be a people marked by joy, marked by love. This was Corey Ten Boom in a Nazi concentration camp. And her sister Betsy reminded her, we should be a people that are marked by love because we know where we're going. We know this world isn't all there is. The Bible says there's a thin veil that separates us from the next life. And I think if we could see what was happening in the spiritual world right now with the naked eye, we would be on our faces worshiping the Lord. He is worthy to be praised, you guys. He loves you. And whatever comes, he's going to give us the sustaining grace that we need. It is the peace, the Bible says, that passes understanding. If you are listening to this show and you are anywhere in the Portland metropolitan area, uh, I want to invite you to a very special event. My friend, Pastor Rob McCoy, is going to be coming to Firmly Planted Family, and he's going to be talking about how their church took on the COVID mandates and won. It's an incredible, incredible testimony from a really wonderful human being. Uh, Rob McCoy, just an incredible friend of mine. But you can get your free ticket at Firmly Planted Action. Org. And if you'd like to be part of a VIP reception where you can spend a little bit of uh, personal time one-on-one -on -one with Pastor Rob McCoy, we'd love to invite you to that. It's a fundraiser. We're not saying, uh, you know, this isn't like meet the celebrity day, okay? Because <laughs> everyone's like, wait, you just said. No, this is helping us raise some money for Friendly Planted Action. We're going to be working very, very hard to get the churches involved in uh, our upcoming elections. And you're going to be hearing more about that in the days to come. You guys can find out about the 501c4 by going to firmlyplantedaction.org. But I want to encourage you, November 18th, starting at 7 p.m., the VIP reception starts at 6 p.m. If you want to come to that and uh, get some one-on-one -on -one time with Pastor Rob, that ticket is $50. The main event is free, but you need to have a ticket for it because we just have limited seats. But we're calling that evening whatever the cost and I think you're going to be very encouraged by Rob's testimony. And uh, I know he's been an incredible encourager in my life. I can't wait for you guys to meet him. And uh, bring your kids. It's going to be a phenomenal night, November 18th, right here at Firmly Planted Family. And you guys can reach out to me, Heidi St. John, Kara Firmly Planted Family, 14001 Northeast First Avenue. This is our new address, you guys. I'm getting used to saying it. Vancouver, 
98684. That address again is 14001 Southeast First Avenue, Vancouver, Washington, 98684. Mark your calendars right now, November 18th. Once those tickets are sold out, uh, that's all she wrote. So get your ticket today at firmlyplantedaction.org. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for supporting the podcast sponsors. We really appreciate it. And becoming a subscriber yourself as a way to support this podcast. We also appreciate that. You can do that by going to Spotify. You guys have a great day. Love your people well. And I will see you right back here again tomorrow at the intersection of faith, 